As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their man. lives. You fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Marcus, 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 we are here again. I mean, over the years, the guests we've had in, every one of them are exceptional in, one, in all 
facets of life and it's n- never ceases to amaze me the people we got on here i t- tell you what um the guy we got coming up jason cleveland man he's one of those uh crossfit animals oh he's an animal all right he's a record i mean placing in the national games how many times i gotta find in my notes here six six or seven times i mean first place oh he's a he's a fitness animal that's for sure it is i mean what and it's unique to i mean each one of us drive ourselves in certain directions. I mean, you and I, we went into the military and the teams went as far as we could in that. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it doesn't business and, and medicine or in, in law. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, you have those that go out and just kind of run at it with everything they got. And people who do those CrossFit games, I mean, that's an amazing event. That, that wears me out. I get worn out literally just watching that <laughs> thing, man. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable how in shape they are. It's really kind of an amazing phenomenon, though. I mean, people watching other people work out, this is a relatively new concept. Yeah. And right? I mean, it kind of, I mean, there's one of them, like a set, kind of took over the karate studios, and you have jujitsu now, and then you have CrossFit studio, then a tattoo parlor, then a, <laughs> a used car shop. <laughs> Fine shop. <laughs> Fine shop. Quick loan. <laughs> Taco Bell. Right. But, um, I mean, they're everywhere. They're that's everywhere. awesome because that's just everybody. I mean, that's you know, if you roll into a community and see nothing but CrossFit gyms, that means everybody in that town's a warrior. It <laughs> 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 geared for battle, man. Because going through that, that is a a war on your body. That's what CrossFit is. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we've um, after plenty of experience in CrossFit, going to you know, attending quite a few gyms and. I don't know how many hundreds of workouts. Yeah, man, we had it in the teams too. When it first before it came mm-hmm. out to the public, it came through us, and we were having to do it. Ah, I remember when we shifted over there. That was that was brutal, man. So uh, if if you're into CrossFit that or was if a you're whole not new in, way to walk, yeah, basically. if and you're not was, into it, it, it's definitely a way to to get into the most phenomenal shape ever, yeah. actually. And it's, remember, I mean, it's fun. Like it's the like first time you did kettlebells or anything oh yeah, like that? oh. Kill myself on all that stuff. <laughs> I was like, "What the?" I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Uh, Roman set up. You want me to do more of that? Man, uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> but everyone, who, everyone gets nervous because they want to go into the gym because they feel like they're out of shape. Everyone's out of shape when they first go into the gym. But every in those communities, that's it's a community of people who are just like that, who overcame that and got into shape, man. And that's that's what drives that place. It's it's truly remarkable to walk in. Plus, they do the Murph every year to, to honor uh, uh, mm-hmm. our guy, a lot of our guys, actually. Yeah, and um, quite a few of them. It is. It's something. It's a great community. It's a family of, of people that are exceptional at health and at, at life, man. It's great. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. That's, that's my favorite aspect of a CrossFit box is you go in there and it's the, commu- it's the competition yep. and how much harder you push yourself just naturally when you've got other people to compete with or just joined with you in that exercise. Um, and also it, it creates a community of, um, of common interest, you know, people that you can, you know, the truth is that once you become an adult and you leave school, whether it's a university or whatever, maybe you get out of the military, a lot of adults don't have um, a lot of ways to make new friends. Yeah, there's no more gym class. You kind of get rid of it, man. You just go into either study yeah. hall or work, or work with that, and just transferring into the real life. Yeah, there's no more gym class. We don't have. We go to the sports and we watch our athletes play, but that's what the gym is. It's it's your adult version of the of your gym class, and it's just as much fun to go to as it was when you were in school. Or, you know, some people didn't like gym, but it's no. it's, it's it's when you're an adult <laughs> and it's time to get in shape. This is where you need to go. You know, one of the ways you need to go do it. 
Yeah, it's true. I, I remember I read an article not too long ago talking about they have, they have scientifically determined how long it takes to become friends with people. Mm. And it very easily explains why it's difficult for adults because I don't remember the specific figures are. Maybe it's, you know, it's like 30 hours or 40 hours of exposure to somebody yeah. before you would become friends with them. And outside of a work environment, these days not many adults – Particularly because our, you know, we're not as involved in community events like we were. You know, we're much more isolated in our own homes and separated. It's difficult to make friends as adults. So I think it's the community aspect, it's the competition aspect that that is really, you know, it's it's what's special hey, about it's, it's CrossFit. It's like your 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 your, ta- your small town version of the games. I mean, <laughs> you, you go in there and compete, and almost all the workouts are different and they change daily. I mean, it's literally going in and watching people train and and do the games it's it's something man so i can't wait to hear what he has to say mm-hmm. well for that got some housekeeping we do All right. as always this is how you can listen to us you can stream us directly from our website at tnqpodcast.com and virtually any other pod- podcast app whether it's on iphone or android itunes stitcher podacy Castbox, and radio public is where you can find us all right and uh, on social media on social media, you can uh, follow us over at Instagram, TNQ Podcast for the show. Marcus uh, at Marcus Latrell and myself, Wizard, at the underscore Wizard underscore TNQ. Or you can type in TNQPodcast.com and listen to us directly to all of our current and past episodes. Everybody from David Goggins to Mike Rowe, Captain Charlie Plum to Andre Agassi and everybody in between. It's, it's um, truly an amazing lineup that we have in there now. We also have merchandise, T-shirts, and hats. And the probably the the pride and joy the 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 crown jewel of this thing is the is our listener write in stories man it's mm-hmm. the it's truly the main body of what we do here and it's our favorite part you can find that under the menu tab at share your story yep you'll find hundreds of stories on there by now and uh, you can submit your own all right Chad so moving on to our exceptional guest for today Jason Kalipa. He is actually, we'll start off by mentioning his book, which I'm holding in my hand right here. It's called As Many Reps as Possible Succeeding in Competition, Business, and Life by Making the Most of Every Single Moment. Now, he is from Sandy, uh, San Jose, California. He is an American professional CrossFit athlete, 2008 CrossFit Games champion, titled The Fittest Man on Earth, and was selected to participate as a member of Team USA in the 2012, 13, and 14 CrossFit Games Invitational. He's also the founder of NC Fit, or you might uh, know it as its former name, North North Cal uh, Fitness, a fitness company with multiple gym locations um, in the United States as well as globally through affiliates. Um, they have fitness and nutrition plans, apparel. They've got a lot of stuff going on over there. Um, Specifically in the games, after placing first in his in his uh, in the 2008 performance, there he went on to participate in six more CrossFit games as an individual until 2014, placing nearly exclusively in the top in the top ten in every single one of those. Um, now I know there's some uh, there's some CrossFit uh, there's some CrossFit fanatics out there that are going to want to know this information. So uh, it's personal best, clean and jerk, 355, snatch, 285, deadlift, 550, back squat, 450. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of weight. No big deal. Yeah. NC Fit, to say a little bit more about that, they describe themselves as a global fitness company aimed at making fitness effective, fun, and accessible with thousands of participants 
worldwide. NC Fit is widely considered first class in functional training by industry insiders. Another element um, of of note is, uh, you know, his family went through a very difficult time back in 2016 when his daughter Ava was di- diagnosed with leukemia. They struggled through that, and there's there's a lot to say about that story. Um, you know, thank God it, it, it's in remission now. In um, in that process, uh, her final treatment was in 2018. Um, Jason and his wife, Ashley, they have uh, since spent a lot of time focused on spreading awareness uh, for pediatric cancers. He is a graduate of Santa Clara University with a BA in business management. So he's got a couple of podcasts. One is uh, Coffee with Kalipa. The other one is AMRAP Mentality. Of course, AMRAP Mentality is a coined phrase of his. Um, maybe for those who are not into CrossFit, we should explain a little bit what uh, AMRAP stands for, Marcus. As many reps as possible. So it's uh, it's basically getting in there and giving it everything you got. <laughs> yeah, you've got a certain amount of time to complete as many reps as possible. So it's it's truly the masochistic's uh, uh, most intense way to uh, to do a uh, to do a certain exercise. You yeah. can take it to the extreme as much as you want, right there. <laughs> so. Right. I can't wait to. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot about this guy. I've watched him. I, I can't wait to see uh, what mm-hmm. he has to say. You want to get him on here? Let's do it, buddy. Let's do it. All right, let's get to Jason. As promised, Marcus, he is here. He actually picked up the phone. Right? Believe that? (laughs) Jason, it's an honor to have you here, brother man. I can't wait to hear your story. Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. It's an honor to be on the show. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, great. Where are you calling us from? Right now, I'm in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, actually. So I live in California, but I'm out here on business. And so I'm out here in in Missouri and getting a great chance to talk to you guys. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, fantastic. Um, Are you familiar with our show, as we talked before? So you know that we start this thing off with a mad minute series of questions to you know, get the uh, the blood flow going to the brain, stretch the neuroplasticity, and just show how clever you are in general. Yeah, these so, are going to come from all different directions, so get ready. Oh, are boy. You, are right, you ready to participate? Are you willing to participate? Let's do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up, ready to go. <laughs> go all on, right, brother. Man. Time in history you'd like to go back and visit for a day. Uh... Time in history, I'd like to see it when the first cars are starting to hit the road and people's reaction. That's an interesting answer. Why is that? Just because I think the way technology starts to hit, you know, like, uh, for example, Hmm. cell phones. For example, my children grew up with now cell phones all the time. And I remember when they first started coming out and how they, you know, my dad used to have this huge satellite phone and then it turned into whatever. And and I just could think like, how extreme is it to be on like horse and buggy and then all of a sudden some guy sees the first car for the first time? I would just be curious what that'd be fascinated by what that reaction mm-hmm. would be like because technology keeps moving forward. And um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be like us kind of seeing the first flying car. I mean, who knows what it's going to be like? Hey, you know, hey, back in the day when the mm-hmm. horse and buggy was still around and the first cars did come online, if a, car, if a horse and cart was coming down the road and so was a car, the car would have to back off the road. Right to let the horse and buggy by, and if it scared the horse, they had to cover the car or to start taking it apart. 
I read a story on that. It's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, weird story that I was reading about. I looked up the first. Oh, the first car wreck. <laughs> I was checking when when that was huh. man, and uh, it was it went into this whole diatribe about when the horse and buggy would come through, they'd have to back that thing off the road and cover it. <laughs> Wait, why were you looking up the first uh, car wreck? <laughs> I, I had um, I don't know, man. I was going through a little deal. I was probably watching something on TV about the, the Mustangs or something like that, and uh, oh, okay. it, it was talking about all these statistics. And so one of the hosts mentioned, "Yeah, I was wondering when the first car wreck was." So I, I kind of looked it up. I didn't, I didn't think it would be on there, but it was. It has that, and it has all that kind of, you know, man. You can find anything on the net, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there. Yeah, man, it's all there. That's an interesting. You remember the end of Apocalyptico, the movie um, about the, I believe it was the Aztecs. Have you seen this? This oh, movie? Oh yeah. I have not. I guess this is a spoiler oh, if you haven't deep, seen it. Yeah. But it's it's the it, it revolves around um, this group of people that are living in the jungle there and um, at the very end of the movie they go out on the beach and they're the guy's being pursued, he's got these 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 other group of guys that are trying to kill him. And they run out on the beach out of the jungle and they look out in the ocean and Spanish. conquistadors yeah. are, are like have a ship parked just offshore and they just stop. The whole issue of trying to kill each other just sort of went out the window at that point, and they're just standing there staring. Yeah, when you see something that you've never seen before, <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is that? Stop you dead. In your tracks. I think that's what you were getting to with that. <laughs> yeah, Anyways, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm alluding this. to. Yeah. <laughs> like right, I said, brother, is, rabbit's hole. <laughs> yeah, that happens <laughs> us all the time. What is your favorite functional exercise, and what is your most hated? Uh, definitely the thruster. Right. So, you know, squat and then press all the way overhead. Mm -hmm. I think it's just the most um, bang for your buck. Right. You're moving a large weight, whether it's dumbbells or a barbell, all the way down to a squat, all the way overhead. It just produces a lot of stimulus on you. Mm -hmm. And so if you can only do one movement for the rest of my life, it'd probably be a thruster and a burpee just because it packs a big punch. Hmm. And um, then you asked, uh, what's my most what's your uh, most hated? hated? You said everybody's got an exercise that they absolutely I mean, hate. Probably the same thing. Yeah, probably the thruster also. So it's my it's my favorite most hated because it packs such a big punch that it's very effective, but it's also super super hard. Mm. I mean, you do thrusters and you're just getting your ass kicked pretty bad. Yeah, and then as well as burpees, there's a lot of people out there that hate doing burpees. Oh man, oh, I, yeah. I just We're hate doing exercises all together. It makes my muscles hurt. <laughs> Jesus. Hit it with the next question. <laughs> all right, what's your favorite go-to motivational quote when things start getting tough? What do you tell yourself? Uh, I mean, if I'm like in the middle of a competition and, you know, it's, something's getting really tough and I've, and I've put in work to get there, just reminding myself that I'd earned that spot. You know, like I used to wear a wristband that just said earn when I was at the CrossFit Games. It just told me that, you know, I've been putting in work. No one gave me anything. I had earned that spot. I had earned that right to be there. And just reminding myself of that, that I had put in the work to get there. And, you know, so now everything that I do, I try and remind myself that, you know, I want to like earn that confidence and not just tell myself I'm good, but like actually know that I have this background to, to lead up to it. You think people have uh, that that's almost a kind of an epidemic these days where people can just they believe that they can tell themselves they're an expert at something or they can tell themselves that they they can do this or they are that without earning it. Yeah, I mean, a good example is like, you know, I wanted to learn how to use a pizza oven. So I went on YouTube and I got a pizza in my backyard and I thought I was an expert. Or, for example, let's just take yeah. shooting. You know, you go on YouTube and you learn how to load a magazine and you learn how to shoot. 
but you don't nothing can replace a decade or decades worth of shooting down range and and learning that skill and you could watch youtube you can tell yourself all you want you know what you're doing but you you know damn well you didn't earn that right you just saw some video and thought you were an expert and that's just not the case it takes a lot of reps yeah that's funny you should, you should use that analogy because the first time i went fly fishing i was like man i've seen a river runs through it a million times man i got this down <laughs> right. pat dude i mean i had to be taught how to fish all the way from the basics you're right man it's it's and that's kind of one of them deals like if i'm reading something i'm not i'm just reading it if i can watch somebody do it and then go out and actually put my hands on it and and get out there and trial by error then then it's a lot of it gets and also gets locked in there man and where yeah. it's, it's actually a skill set because there's a difference between telling yourself something and actually going out and reminding yourself that you're something yeah well that's an interesting you've got in your book you you say there's a part in there it says uh everybody seems to be fascinated with this hack your way to blank craze versus good old roll up your skills yeah. hard work but we definitely want to talk about that later in the meantime if you could possess someone else's body for a month completely anonymously, who would it be and what would you do? Um, probably The Rock. And uh, I'd go travel the world and just see how people, you know, just it, it seems like no one hates The Rock. It seems like everybody likes him. So I'd like to be him. Because he's a great guy. He's probably, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is, man. He's the greatest dude ever. It's hilarious. Like man, you're so cool. Yeah, like like perfect teeth, breath probably never stinks. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we love you, brother. That is something to aspire to, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, I just saw that he got on like Times Magazine most influential guy, and it's like, absolutely. I mean, it just seems like no matter hmm. who I talk to, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I look, I, I, you know, The Rock seems like a cool dude, and when I know people actually know him and they actually back that up. It just seems like no one has any hate on him. Like they, there's nothing really to hate. He's never really been any controversies. He just seems like a hardworking, good dude. So yeah, yeah I'd want to be him. That's a good one, man. I need to get him on the show sometime. I know. He's get into how to. <clears throat> All right, brother. That. Yeah, I know, right? Mm-hmm. It, okay, if you could sing any song, halftime Super Bowl, what would it be? I mean. Uh, <laughs> I, I told you I we're gonna we're gonna flex your I, cortex here. I would love to say like you know the national anthem, whatever, but that would happen before. But I mean, at halftime, I mean, I wouldn't want to sing anything representing any you know patriotic in any way because I would probably butcher the hell out of it. So I'd probably just I wouldn't I don't I don't know what I would do. I probably wouldn't sing. I mean, I suck at singing. Wait, you, you forgot a big qualifier in this. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you usually in that question. Oh yeah, say sing it well like the person the, who sings it, yeah, as well, well as, as the, the artist who sings, who sings it. it. So you don't have to worry about any of that. Yeah. It's going to be... Oh, just, what song would you belt out? Off. <laughs> this is a tough question. I mean, I'm not like um, super into like that type of music. Like, what was the first like, song that popped that in your sing? head? Um, you know what I would want, actually? Like uh-huh. an Andre Patel. If I had the ability to sing like anybody, I'd want to be able to like um, just... Cr- like Andre Bocelli, just like super powerful, super just operatic, kind of loud, just blow it down. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but if I was singing like me, I wouldn't even attempt that. So just to no. be quick. Oh, hey, I, I, that's why this is one of the mad minute quick. I can't even sing in the shower, man, and I don't even try because it sounds bad, right? <laughs> like couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. But. Oh man, that cat could sing, right? Damn, I got a funny story about that actually, real quick. I was living in Venice, Italy for a little while. 
And we had off of a canal, I was living on a third story apartment all day long. There's boats going up and down the canal. Tons of tourists. It's a tourist city, really. I mean, there's, it's a living museum. Oh, yeah. So we're, we were eating dinner, and just all of a sudden I decided I was going to start singing. And I don't know the name of that song that everyone that he's, that he's famous for. That. Okay. I don't know the words. I don't know the words like then. That's it, yeah. But it's something like that, right? I just start yeah. belting it as loud as I possibly can. From inside, nobody can see it, so it's just pouring out over the balcony, and everybody in the canal can hear it. <laughs> and, of course, everybody that speaks Italian knows that it's just ridiculous. So you can start hearing some laughter, and then other people start laughing. And then, of course, I look over, and it was just... Anyway, oh. great song. <laughs> I butchered it, but I pulled it off. Okay. <clears throat> if you could have your brain transplanted... No, I don't know. Let's not go with that one. Yeah. If you could have your brain transplanted into a robot or animal of your choice, what would it be? Uh, a cheetah. I'd want to know what it feels like to run 60 plus miles an hour. Who wouldn't? Why, why a not? good answer. Right? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Right. You're a generally curious guy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm super intrigued quality. by different things. Yeah, yeah you can not? tell. <laughs> All right, one person you'd like to lift with. The Rock, yeah, or Arnold Schwarzenegger actually, because I already used The Rock. I'd use I'd use Schwarzenegger because yeah. he kind of he kind of transformed the whole thing. He was kind of like the OG, and so that'd be that'd be really cool to to get a little training session with him. He did right. I mean, he did, man. When he came on the scene, mm-hmm. he just blew. Because especially when he got into act, he had that physique. Every you, you would kind of try to strive to because he was still operational. Some of them guys now they're so big, it's just you can't even. Oh, yeah. uh, Man, Ronnie Coleman's from Texas, man, and he is just the hmm. biggest. When, when that guy dominant, him and Dorian, God, man, all them guys, they were just huge. Yeah, it just uh, unbelievable, man. And Arnold, he looked like he could he he could still move around a little bit. Yeah, I mean the guys have gotten bigger. I mean it's like CrossFit, right? Back in the day, CrossFit was one way, and now as it's transforming, the people are just getting better and better and better. You know, like. It's mm. it's crazy to watch the way the human like evolves um, if you put in the right training and the right technique, things of that nature. Oh yeah, man, the CrossFit sure it is. is blo- we had the CrossFit gym before it was even out to the public yet, and, and the SEAL teams that had worked all those workouts that kind of struggled down through us, man, kind of testing and evaluate on us. And I remember when they put the rings and the ropes in there and everything because it used to be out on the beach, but now they just kind of moved it into the gym. And then when it got spun out uh, into the public, I mean, there's a CrossFit gym on every corner. Like seven yeah. elevens, man. They're everywhere, and it's just mm-hmm. the way that the kind of society drives everything. Fitness is huge. it started with Arnold, man, when he came online and, and got wanted everybody just to kind of get in shape. I remember when I was a kid, he went to the White House and was out on the lawn. They were doing exercises and stuff like that. That he, <laughs> he, he, that he just kind of honed in all of that, and it's transformed from just lifting weights and having to go to the gym to now functional exercises. Everyday life kind of maneuvers that that not only help you but keep you from getting hurt. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, give us four alternative uses for a beer bottle other than to hold liquid. Uh, Could you come up with, that with one, it? <laughs> Good choice. Um, uh, you know, breaking it and then cutting something with the the shard. Okay. Um. Planting like a flower in it or something, I guess. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, um, 
making like some type of light out of it. I don't know. I, I, like let it glow or something. I don't know. Let so, it glow. That was my favorite answer. But those were sore for solid uses. Told you these questions are going to be tough. All right, but what's your favorite thing to do to relax? Um, I like to listen to podcasts and I like to read. But, yeah. Um, it's good use yeah, of time. It's tough for me to relax because, you know, in general, like I'm pretty revved up, ready to go. And so it's really tough for me to like, like I'm not the guy who's just going to like go sit in a lawn chair and, and uh, be on the beach. Hmm. You know, if I'm on the beach, I'm going to be playing football. If I'm on the beach, I'm going to be running around after my kids. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and go do something. Like I'm not just going to go lay out. And so if I'm reading a book or listening to an audio book or listening to a podcast, I can consume information while still sitting there but feel like I'm actually doing something. So that helps me. Why is it that you think that some people are particularly, I guess what you'd say, good at relaxing in just the sense of they're comfortable sitting there and just chilling out and watching the ocean or whatever, and some people just can't. See, I'm not a person who enjoys that. Why do you think some people are- Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a skill, and I think it's something that I'd look to do in my life later on. Like, for example, like meditation. Like, there is no way in hell. Like, I've done a lot of yoga, and, you know, I try and get into, like, the zen state. I try, but I'm just there the whole time. Like, all right, let's go. You know, like, I, I get – I'm too revved. I can't just sit hmm. there. Um, and so I don't know, I don't know what it is, but over time I'd like to be able to get to the point where I could take all my thoughts away and just kind of relax. But instead I just do burpees and that's what kind of relaxes me. So until well, that time, I, ha- I think it has hmm. something to do with your overall, f- your, your high end fitness. Cause it, because you obtain such a high level of, it's like a race car. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you pull a race car out of the, tr- I mean, it's from zero to anything, it's a race car. Right? It's going to haul ass through there as soon as you step on the pedal. So if you're, I mean, your fitness at the high end, your low end, your resting rate is still enough to push the car. I mean, even when it's in neutral, right? It's the engine is idling so heavy that it just pushes it forward, kind of drifts. And that just, man, at that stage you're at right now, it's, uh, like I say, you know, in the beginning, we got our race car frame on, then we go to like a monster truck, then maybe a suburban minivan kind of deal, you know, and then ultimately just kind of relax. You're just a tooling around. Um, and that's just that's on the adventure of life man you wear that for a reason because of the uh, your body automatically responds to the lifestyle and social that it lives in mm-hmm. so it's gonna if you're constantly i mean his life is that that's why he, he's built like that so resting is just that man you just even when you're kind of resting you're moving around or you sleep right that's basically yeah. it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, that's a possible explanation for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the mad minute, unless you got one more you want to hit him that's with. That's good. All right. It's probably the mad minute. Thank you for participating in that. And uh, that was fun. But um, people really come here more for our mission focus, which is you find right in our name, Team Never Quits and Never Quit Attitudes. People that it, uh, they perf- they've performed to really high levels. They've 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 had to strive to get through situations of great difficulty or persevere. Um, they want to come and they want to hear those stories and they want to take lessons away from that. And um, so, if I think we could, it'd be good to get our discussion kicked off here. If you just want to tell us your greatest never quit story or series of stories, um, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, several come to mind. Um, you know, like on a big picture, you know, like my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia three years ago, and that was a big moment in our life where we had to like have that never quit attitude. That's a little bit over here, and I'll, I can come back to that one. But 
something that just stands out to me is, you know, you guys might be familiar with it. I'm sure you are. Um, Camp Pendleton has this, um, has this thing called microwave mountain. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but it's like a 10 mile, Mm. just straight up and down course. It is just horrendous. And one year at the CrossFit games, we had to do a triathlon. So you had to swim, bike, and then run this, this horrendous mountain. And, you know, you're running for, for money, for fame, for whatever to win. It's not Mm. like you're just out there on a casual stroll. I mean, you're trying to win. And, you know, the night before I was freaking out because I wasn't prepared. I didn't have that earned confidence or that that preparation. I didn't feel like I had earned the right to be confident going into it. So I started off and, and um, you know, swim was okay, bike was okay. And so I start this mountain run and, uh, you know, you're just up, down, up, down, up, down. And I get in the middle of the run and at this point I'm like eight miles in. I'm just, I'm just exhausted. Like I'm just beat up. I'm asking myself, why am I even doing this? And I don't know if I like saw this in my head or I don't know if this actually happened. I'm pretty sure I'm like 99% sure it's actually happened, but I'm in the middle of this microwave mountain in Camp Pendleton, which is like down Southern California mm-hmm. and like a tarantula or some big ass spider just walks right across the, the, you know, like the path. And at this point I'm not running very fast. It's more like a jog. And I just look at it and I stop for a second and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I'm in the middle of the desert. I got a, a spider going in front of me. Why am I even doing this? You know, I could just easily just quit and just go home into a nice, comfortable bed, right? And it it took me a second, but I reminded myself, like, I had made a commitment to follow through with this. I had made a commitment to myself, to my family, to push myself and see how I stack up against these other competitors and to get uncomfortable. And, you know, I kept going and I finished the race. I ended up, um, like, as soon as I crossed the finish line, I ended up, like, uncontrollably peeing myself because I was just so messed up. Hmm. And, but, but I reflected on that and... But I reflected on that and, and, and essentially what I came back to was like when my back was up against the wall in that one particular situation, I was able to, you know, remind myself of my why, my deep internal reason for doing it. And I didn't quit. You know, that's happened to me multiple times where you, know, you have to have a strong reason why you're doing something. It can't be for money or fame. It's got to be something deeper internally. And that was just a reminder for me with the with Camp Pendleton, the spider. You know, I've also blacked out on runs before and things like that. But this was a good example of that. Like I had miles left. I was super struggling and just to be able to get through, it was really something I look back on and I'm proud of that. I finished the race. Why do you, yeah, your chosen profession. I mean, that's kind of one of those deals when you, when you step into it, it's a lot of times we forget when we go, once we get into it and when it gets hard, that it becomes a job, right? And you're like, man, this is terrible. It's, it's, I don't even, I'll go do something else. Do something, go home, go to bed, right? But that's what you do when you're at home. I mean, somebody has to go through this gauntlet. Somebody has to go through this part of the test. We're the ones that, that stepped up for it. And, I mean, we were watching the movie Navy Seals the other day, and they were doing this thing where they locked out of the sub and got on, on, the, uh, on the Zodiac and chased this boat down. And it was, I mean, it was the coolest looking thing. But when you do it in real life, it's hard i mean that job sucks so bad doing that man i mean it was miserably hard and then once you start thinking about it like that like this is hard and miserable i want to go do something else well then you know you kind of lose your right to be there because we're the ones that's the whole reason you wanted to do it because it was hard because no one else could because you wanted to push yourself as, as hard as you possibly could and the only i mean job that's just job is just a description of the person right and a lot of times we think people who go to work and just to get a paycheck and 
and they don't really love what they're doing, then that yeah, that's kind of, of a job, right? But ultimately, what you're you're just living your life and doing what you love, and people pay you to do it, pay to see you do it, pay to see if you're the guy that can push yourself further than this because no one else can. And but it's tough, man. It, it is because when you get in there, everyone else is telling you you can't do it, <laughs> right? And that's the yeah. competition because it's when you're going against everybody uh, around you in your chosen profession with us, man, we got a team around us at all times. And we, we were constantly reminding ourselves we're like, Hey man, we're supposed to be here. This is why we're doing this. You know, don't ever lose sight of that because once you stop loving it, then it becomes like a, like a, oh, I just have to do it. And then it becomes an animosity and then you probably start hating it. Right. And then the minute yeah. you don't want to get up and go do it, it's just, you forget that it's a privilege to have that job. Right. Cause no one else yeah. can do it. It's- that's right. It's not an obligation, right? It's something that we chose. And I think that's really important to recognize. Like I chose to go into that situation. I chose to push myself these uncomfortable settings. And, um, cause I know I'm going to get a lot of reward for it. I know that that's something I was designed for. I want to do that. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Can you back it up a hair where you mentioned at the beginning that you didn't feel, this is the second time you've referenced this. You didn't feel that you had the right to be confident. Um, can you explain why that is, but also back up some and tell us how it is you got into CrossFit Games competition and how'd you get to that point? Yeah, so I um, I started working at a conventional gym when I was in high school. I was you know working the front desk, and then I got into sales, and I got introduced to CrossFit in college. So I was pretty young when I was introduced to CrossFit, and I competed in my first CrossFit Games in 2008, fortunate enough to win in 2008. Then I go into 2009, I take fifth. I still perform pretty well um, in, you know, but like looking at 2009, you know, I didn't know how to control my emotions. And so the first event I come in as the previous champ, right? And it was a seven mile hill run. That was just really challenging. And I get about three quarters of the way done, almost done actually. And I ended up just blacking out. So there's like video of me literally just, you know, mm-hmm. blacking out. And, uh, this guy, Dave Castro, you might've seen him in the teams before he, um, he's like, Hey, do you want to continue? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I mean, I, after I woke up, poured some water on my face and continued him. And, and that was a really big learning experience for me because what I real, realized was not only did I not have the confidence cause I hadn't put in those longer duration events, but I also didn't know how to control my emotions. So hmm. going into the event, you know, I'm sitting there listening to Eminem and my headphones get all jacked up. I don't need to get all jacked up. What I need to do is be calm, conserve my energy. But instead, mm. I was fired up. And so when I actually got into my first event, boom. And from there, I ended up climbing back up. But going into 2010, 2011, I still hadn't quite understood how to control my emotions. And 2010, again, I had one mess up and I ended up coming back pretty well. But, you know, national anthems playing, jets are flying over, I'm fired up, but you know, of course I'm too fired up. And that's something I had to learn the hard way was, was that, you know, when you're on, when you're, when you're, when you're out of control and when you're using your energy towards things that aren't aligning with your core purpose, that was a challenge for me. And so going into 2011, I, I hadn't spent enough time training long distance endurance events, period. And, Mm. and my, my peers had. And so after that event in Camp Pendleton, I committed myself to earning the confidence. I met a track coach I went on the track two, three days a week, every week for years to build back up that, that hedge. And it, it came, it came full circle. You know, in 2014, I got back on the podium, 2013, I got back on the podium and it was because I had put in that work. And so when I went into these events, 
I was able to not be so like hyping myself up, but instead know that I had earned the right through all these hours of training going into it. And so I went into it calm and I was able to perform well. So can you talk a little bit more about the steps you used to refine that like energy conservation process, control your emotions? Was it a specific technique or was it simply just reflecting back on the experience in your performance and saying, well, I could have done that better and just focusing on it? Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, I was at the top on every event except for these endurance events. So I knew there was a weakness there, but I also knew, so I needed to address that, but I also needed to address the fact that, you know, you, you only have so much energy throughout your day and it's all about energy expenditure. Hmm. And when you're getting up at 4am to get on a bus to go compete on an event in the middle of the day, all that your heightened emotions and you need to learn to control it. And so one of the things that I did is I met with a sports psychologist and cause I was, you know, I was trying to win. And mm-hmm. one of the things he had me do that was really helpful is he said, Hey, take all the things that are stressing you out in competition, take two circles, put one that's in your control, one that's out of your control, write down the things that are stressing you out and just focus on the circle that's in your control. And that was really something that helped me moving into the CrossFit games is I wouldn't worry about my competitors. I wouldn't worry about the event. I would just worry about my preparation, my meal plan, my warm up, my shoes, quadruple tied, shit, you know, stuff like that. And mm. that was really, really helpful for me. And, you know, it carried huge dividends, you know, learning how to control what was in my control and then utilizing positive self-talk when things got really tough instead of constantly reverting to the negative. But through my training, focusing on the positive self-talk, those carried over hugely when my daughter and my family and I were arguably, you know, faced with our biggest challenge, which was her leukemia diagnosis. All of these competing. So I competed at the CrossFit Games eight eight years in a row, mm-hmm. right? And when my daughter got sick, I, I retired from the sport at that time. Now I'm I'm kind of coming back for something in a month, but but basically I retired from the sport because I have that, that was the right thing you to do. You wrote that you had it. to pour 100 of your focus into that event. I I saw. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, there was nothing else on my mind. I mean, the day that my daughter died and I know nothing else mattered. And that's really why I wrote this book, As Many Reps as Possible, was the thing was by me am rapping, and you guys know what am like in a workout when you am rapping mm-hmm. you're you're going for as many reps as possible. You're not answering your phone, you're not talking to anybody, you're just focused on your workout. And by me taking that into each area of my life with our business, growing that, with my fitness, growing that. When, when my daughter did get diagnosed, I had built up a hedge in these different areas and I was forever grateful that I could just put the company to somebody else, let him support it. Hmm. You know, my fitness was already at a good point and I had built up this financial head by putting in the work. And that's really why I wrote the book is to kind of tell people that when things are good, keep getting after it, keep having good relationships, be present and focusing on your family because you never know when, you know, life might throw you a curveball and you got to be as prepared as you can be. Oh yeah, well, that's a big misconception is the harder you work and the more you accomplish, then people think you can just stop. It's just like everything stops right here. It's kind of like the same thing with working out. After about 24 hours, your muscles start to deteriorate. If you're not staying sharp, that's why the, I was talking to a company the other day and they were talking about the downturn with the financials and everything. Like, I mean, it's not a downturn, it's just a turn, right? I mean, if you if you were in that in the beginning on your way up, then you know how to survive and it. it's just shifting to the low gear and getting back down in there. But if you never left that mindset, like if you kind of stayed in it and allowed it to just uh, that same energy that guided you into it just never stops. I mean, your flame doesn't, 
You're not supposed to turn it off. It's supposed to go from red to blue, right? It constantly burns. That's why you're always moving. And it, the, the, the trick is, is to be able to do that in every one of your uh, situations in life, not just the one that, makes, that brings you joy or brings you your money. Right? You focus on your attention on the most important things and then on down. And a lot of, we've had a few guests on, they, one of the things they were talking about is asking for help. I was like, man, champions, a, a true champion never thinks they're good enough anyways. That's why they keep fighting and fighting and fighting, right? And they're just kind of that person that's holding the spot, if you will. And then we ask for help. It's called training. Coaches, you know, every, it doesn't matter if it's mental, physical, whatever it is. Any situation that you get in, you're starting to feel like mentally you're getting beat down. Well, then go get a mental coach. That's what they're there for. I mean, people specialize in that. There's, some, there's one of us out there to facilitate, um, you know, training for an individual in in any kind of environment that's just the way it is it's the the love of the opposites that's why we're all we're all unique in our own description and man it's uh the minute you get complacent everyone else and every everything else just keeps moving it kind of keeps moving yeah. right past you and if you're not constant i hear you hear the older guys like us when when the kids get new uh phones or ipads or whatever it is you're like man that's tech i don't know how to work that well, you better because they do. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're not keeping up with the times, the times are going to run past you. Mm-hmm. And that's just, uh, that's yeah, just especially in business, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've seen it firsthand. I mean, in our business, you know, we've gone from one location to numbers of locations and we've shifted to digital and this and that because, mm-hmm. you know, business and things constantly are flowing. And if you're not keeping up with it, you're going to be left behind. Yeah, for sure. And that's really one of the interesting parts of your book is how you've got a an application of this mindset you talk about in here, the AMRAP mindset, which you can demonstrate in your personal experience, starting with your competition in CrossFit, but then also into the business world, as well as the story about your daughter. Would you like to talk about the story with your daughter now? I'll talk whatever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately what happened was, and the reason why I started embracing this idea of like AMRAPing each thing is I would find myself you know, so the beginning, I started a business and then I got married and then we had a kid and then our business grew from one location to 20 locations. And I had another child and I started asking myself, man, how am I going to balance, you know, winning the CrossFit Games with building a multinational company while also, you know, not trying to be a bad husband and father. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started saying, man, I'm never better than when I'm am wrapping things. And what was happening in my life is I'd be one foot in, one foot out too often. I'd be on conference calls with Asia, you know, trying to open up new locations because we have corporate sites over there, but I'd be riding like a, a salt bike, you know, doing intervals. Mm-hmm. And I found that I wasn't doing anything well because I wasn't paying attention to the call well. And I also wasn't paying attention to my workout. And I'd find that I'd be at home, but I'd be on the phone half the time. And my kids were building up resentment towards me because I wasn't putting in that AMRAP, that time with them. And so that's really what the theory of the book is about, is about segmenting your day and being present and focused on each one and working legit hard at each one. And, um, you know, like I said, that paid huge dividends when my daughter was diagnosed a couple of years ago, which fortunately she's doing really well now. Um, I never understood the importance of how being present and focused in your relationships could build up a strong bond. Hmm. So that when things do get tough, my wife was the best champion of them all, right? She was the one who came to the table was like, hey, let's go, let's go crush this thing. And her and I had a good enough relationship because when we went out to dinner, we weren't just both on our phones. We were actually engaging with each other. And I'm forever grateful for embracing this mindset for when that 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 big trial came to our lives. 
for sure you want to you want to talk about going through this there's particularly an interesting story um where hold on give me one second here's <clears throat> i thought i had the notes there, there was a particular section where due to her specific condition with leukemia you had to very closely monitor her vital signs and at one point the blood pressure started to move do you want to tell that story and how you had already been in the hospital a long period of time before this you want to just back it up to that point and yeah, I mean, so, you know, the, the night my daughter got diagnosed, you know, we had seen some signs coming on of, you know, just really random stuff. And, and if you take each thing by themselves, they're not a big deal. But what happened is when you put them together, you guys look at me and you're like, man, you should have gone blood work earlier. But each individual, she had had really bad ear infection. She would fall asleep at school. Her legs would really hurt. And like, man, we couldn't put it to We went to all different doctors and you know, finally one night, you know, she started bruising really bad. And so we went into the ER and, um, we went and got blood work and they sent us to the Stanford ER and that's when they told us she had leukemia. And from that point out, we were in the hospital a lot. And, you know, fortunately we were blessed that our daughter got diagnosed with a, with a curable type of, of leukemia called ALL. Um, and, um, we were in the hospital for a while and something just didn't look right on her. And I, I remember, just calling in the doctor. And this is an example of where we really had to be acutely aware of like what to look for and things like that. And really champion for our daughter and for our kids. Like mm -hmm. no one cares as much as we care. And, you know, I was there every day, all day because the doctors were great and I, I love them forever and I'm forever grateful, but they're never going to care as much as, as, as I do. Right. And so I remember just watching her and be like, something's not right. And so I went and told the doctor, I'm like, Hey, something's not right. Doctor comes in. He's like, Hey, look, if you don't, if we don't see the, um, uh, you know, uh, blood pressure, come back down, et cetera, within, I don't know, I think it was like one minute, I'm going to call in an emergency response team. And so essentially what happened is, sure enough, the emergency response team came in and they're just on it. I mean, 20 people just going crazy. I'm talking like life and death, right? Mm -hmm. You could just hear it in their voice. And it was, it was a miraculous example of teamwork. And anybody who's ever, you know, been in those situations where the, the leader was talking mm -hmm. with very, very clear guidelines at a very high level, but was just so focused. It was, it was beautiful to watch. I wish I, I never hoped to watch it again. I never wished it on anybody, but it was incredible how this team came together, saved my daughter's life. And so as they're pulling her out of the room to the ICU, she wasn't in the clear by any means, but the conversation went from like life and death to like one notch below. And I remember the first thing I said to my wife is I said, Hey, did you, did you hear the way the voice changed a little bit? And reflecting on that later, it's interesting how my wife and I were both kind of in that moment, kind of using positive self-talk from all the years that she had seen me struggle in workouts and in events where she's in the garage working out. And we, we need to be positive through these things. Nothing's going to help if you're just being a negative person. Hmm. And even at the most heightened situation, because like we had both trained these skills through moderate exercise, right? Our brains instantly found the positive and were able to use that. And that was the story in the book was hmm. this idea of, of how do we build positive self-talk because in the most extreme situation of my life, organically we reverted to, it's not like I was telling myself to revert to that. I just tried to capture any positivity I could. Yeah. Well, people in, in those times of high stress immediately revert to their training and your life experience is a person's training. And that's what kicked in right there. Right, Mars? Training into the Lord. You, you roll in those two things. You, you'll get through most situations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Well, Man, um, I'm glad she's doing yeah. better. That's tough. You know, we all have, um, there's if you if you live in a life where you have a lot of friends and you know a lot of people and, and they they have kids and things, you know, that's the wonderful part about having a lot of people is you have a lot of friends, but there's you know you, their problems are your problems. That's what makes them friends and family. Really, you got. Um, after a while, the bond's so close. You don't have to be born with somebody to share blood. You can spill blood, shed blood, or just go through the trials with them, and then it's, that it's forged. Even watching those doctors, I've seen that happen, man, in those ERs. When you got somebody who knows what they're doing, come in and just start locking it down. It's it's, it's such a uh, wonderful feeling for the parents because you, for the first time you feel helpless. You're one of the strongest, most yeah. Uh, uh, highly trained men on the planet and we all always get into a situation where we none of that can help you know what i mean just like i can't what do you want me to do man i'm gonna i'll go over here and do some push-ups something will that help yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. Like, I've, been, yeah. I've been there bro i mean what can i do man i gotta you know, punch the wall what i just something man uh and those battles especially when our little ones are going through it are tough man because you just want to snatch that pain away from them and just take all of it but in reality man the best part about it is exactly what you did Get yeah, we, we learned a lot back from in. You know, I learned a lot from that experience. You know, you talk about like these mm-hmm. friends becoming family and, you know, the family support was critical, right? My family was in the, you know, the room every day, all day, just that support. And I've, I've learned a lot about it in life. Like, you know, there's times where you have really good times. And then there's other times where like you have a group of friends, let's just say it's I don't know, 30 people, whatever. Throughout your life, people are going to have their ups and downs. And like, it's our job as a group to kind of support the ones that need the support because you never know when you need support. And, you you know, it's just this beautiful kind of organic flow through life, right? Just try and raise each other up and help where you can because when some person's killing it, the other person's getting, you know, is, is pretty down. And that's a good um, – something I've really learned through this experience, you know, is, is the importance of, of family and close friends. Oh, and you, I mean, it also mm-hmm. teaches you a valuable – there's a difference if, you're, if someone in your crew is going through something and you're watching them go through it. Right. But you're still learning the lessons they are because we're talking about it. That's that's why it's so important to talk to each other about whatever you're going through. And it's kind of an advantageous position. And it's a weird way to say that of not having to be the person in the situation, the bad times. But they need you more than all, more than anything. So mm-hmm. you while you're watching, you can also pull that lesson in case you have to get in it. I mean, if you if you go through that pain with them, and then when it's time for you to go through the gauntlet, man, they'll be right there with you. That's how it works. That that bond. That's why I mean, our training is the way it is, and and y'all's is the same way. It's just I mean, you can't get anywhere by yourself, and right. especially the hard times. And we've seen that before. We had a one guest in particular comes to mind, Brogan Wall, who was a listener write-in story, and she suffers from trigeminal neuralgia, which makes her face and her head feel like it's literally on fire and burning with that an intense searing pain. <clears throat> and she's been dealing with this for a long time. And we'd asked her, um, you know, how, how do people support? What is the best way to support? And she said, you know, it can come in all forms, but even just somebody who is present, that you just, they're, you know that they're there and accessible. You know, they don't have to be doing any anything that's particularly over the top or bringing you gifts every day or planning elaborate uh, activities and vacations or something like that. Just knowing that that person is there for you was uh, has a huge impact. But I was just going to ask, she has, uh, it's in remission now, is that right? Yeah, so Ava, so she was diagnosed in 2016. Mm-hmm. We went through, um, it was like two and a half years of treatment and chemo, um, a lot of a lot of ups and downs to that point. And then, um, so she's been out of treatment now for, for one year. 
um, as of like a month ago. And basically, um, in five years out of treatment, then you're technically cured. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. Every month that goes by, you're basically like, you know, putting money in the, in the bank. You know, it's, it's a good thing, like, Mm -hmm. because your chance of relapse significantly drop the further you get away from your, your end of chemo treatment day. So it's a, it's a huge blessing. We've been, um, we're just super, super grateful. We do a lot of stuff to support other families. Um, my wife in particular, she puts on an annual fundraiser and it's just something we're really passionate about. Yeah. Uh, best of luck to her and, and you guys in this fight. Absolutely. It's good to hear she's on yeah. the road coming back. Um, I kind of want to change course a little bit here and ask you about, sure. uh, you know, something that comes to my mind when we have particularly like ultra athletes on or really people who voluntarily subject themselves (laughs) to suffering, right? Which I've done my share CrossFit workouts. And if you're really pushing yourself, that is suffering. And, um, it's not a team sport. And we had kind of talked about this before, how there's an accountability to the teammates you're there and they help drive you forward. But when you're doing it on an individual level, and particularly the training every single day, the competition, there's like a self, you know, your accountability to yourself. How do you, how do you maintain that? Yeah. I mean, I think it reverts back to, you know, a lot of people in CrossFit right now. So I got into it when there was nothing sexy about it. There was no money. There was no huge endorsements. Like when I Mm -hmm. won the games, you know, to put in perspective, when I won the games and the sponsorships I was getting was like, 2% 2% of what I did when I finished, right? I mean, it was nothing. And so I got into it because I wanted to push myself mentally and physically. And I found that the results I got physically were obviously appealing, but more importantly, how through those workouts, I was able to overcome those challenges and how that carried over into everything else I was doing. And that's what, that's what fired me up was like surrounding myself by hardworking people, my training partners, even though I was competing individually, it got my, my juices going, right? Like just before I got on the phone with you guys, mm. I just went and did some, you know, a quick AMRAP, not because I had to, there's no one watching, there's no cameras, but I did it for me because when I put in the work, I feel like it carries over and everything else I'm doing, it refocuses me, it energizes me. And so that's really what keeps me going. And you got to have a strong why and a strong purpose for, for, for doing these things. You know, I, mm-hmm. I uh, you know, I read David Goggins book. I know he's been on your show. Mm-hmm. And he talks about callousing your mind. And, and I'm a big believer in that. And after reading his book, I, I went and signed up for a half marathon. I did that last week. And, and just, just trying to constantly pursue the uncomfortable, which is going to help me outside of that. And when I look at the CrossFit Games and all the things I've pushed myself through, I didn't do it for anybody else but myself. And I think that's really important for people to recognize is that if you do it for any other reason, when things get tough, it's really easy to quit. And there's a lot of people that are really good in their garages, but when they actually get in front of a group of people, they lose that focus and that strong internal push because they're doing it for fame or fortune, which those things don't come quick and they don't come easy. And for mm-hmm. me, I do it because I want to see how I stack up. You know, oh, if, wanna, if it comes easy, it'll go away easy. Yeah. So, so I, you know, so I think for me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just an internal drive that I have to get after it. And that's just my personality. And um, I don't do it for any other reason but that. Well, it's certainly a, a major chapter in your book, the having a why, uh, knowing what it is. But I am sure you still have days where, this is such a, a generic question, I don't, or maybe it's almost cliched, but I know you have days where you say, fuck this, I don't want to do that. 
What is your practical technique to get yourself out of that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's definitely days where, so, you know, like take, for example, today, yesterday I was in Vegas today, I'm in St. Louis and, um, you know, I leave for California tonight. So a lot of people would be able to make excuses. Oh, I'm traveling. I'm not going to work out. Right. But for me, mm-hmm. it's really important that I never determine if I'm going to hit it hard or moderately hard until I'm done warming up. Hmm. So the way I do it, and it's just me is I go into the gym, whether I'm traveling, I set my phone, I turn on a timer or I go into the gym and I start a big clock and I don't think about anything. I don't think about how my body feels. I just get on a piece of cardio equipment. And I just start moving. I'm just grooving. I'm not, I'm not worried about anything. And then after I'm done with maybe five minutes, then I start going through some basic exercises and that's when I determine how do I feel? How hard am I crushing it today? But that's my, my secret. What I do is I always tell myself, I got to go into the gym and just start warming up. And you know what, if your body's beat up and if you just are crushed, that's okay. Just do a little bit of this, a little bit of that and get out. But more times, 99% of the time after I'm done warming up, I'm fired up. The juices are going and I'm ready to go. And so that's, that's my advice to anybody is, is if you're losing motivation, just start by setting the bar really low. In my opinion, the bar is just go into the gym and start moving, whatever that means to you. And then from there, you can determine how your body feels. Cause most of the time, the reason why people don't exercise is they don't make time for whatever. But if you can just make the time to even go down there and start a five minute warm up, chances are after your blood gets flowing, you'll feel good and you'll crush a great workout. That is such an absolutely, I don't know why I've never heard or thought of that before, but oh, that man, is brilliant. Easiest I'm way good. to do it. You can I'm, steal it. I'm fulfilled. Good interview, Marcus. You got it from here. I'm out, yeah. buddy. It's, it's, man, those days <laughs> when you're warm up. crawling out of there, it's best way to do it is remind, remind you what motivated that's, you to begin with. That's fucking and That's brilliant. just walking in there. Just walk in there and, and, and look around and, and, I mean, if you're in there, then you'll grab something, you grab something, you'll move something, and then it's just, that's just the way it works. And, you know, Marcus, for, for you guys, you know, like with your kids too, um, you know, something I think about, and anybody listening right now, if you're like in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you haven't really started exercising, me telling you that you're going to get a six-pack abs probably won't motivate you. Me telling you it's going to produce better blood markers, that probably won't motivate you either. Because those are things you should probably know, right? Hmm. But if I told you, that by going to the gym, it'll help you mentally with the rest of your day to overcome adversity and fitness will become a non-factor for you in your life. So something I'm really focused on is fitness should never be a factor in my life. Meaning if my son wants to ride his bike, hell yeah. You want to go swim in the ocean? Let's go do this. If, if my daughter wants to go climb a mountain, I'm on it with her. I never want fitness to inhibit me from the things that my family or I want to go do. Now, does that mean I need to compete in the CrossFit Games? No. But it just means I should be able to get off the toilet without having to use my hands to help support me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and so, so that's my motivation moving forward is never allow fitness to be an inhibitor of what my family or my kids want to do. And, and, and you know, expressing the tools through fitness that carry over into real life. That's a good motivation. If you're in your 40s, just to start off by doing a 10-minute walk every day. Just start with there and then go from there. I I'd run that same line, brother. I have oh, one. Nice. I keep those bands. I have one wrapped around the foot of my bed, and then I keep one in my suitcase. And as soon as I get to the room, I'll in the hotel, I'll put it underneath there. And while if there's a commercial on or something, I'll just. A lot of times, people think that working out is like actually a section of your day after your job, in between dinner or whatever else. But if you if it's an all day thing, like anytime I walk into the bedroom, I have to do a couple of reps. Anytime I walk in and out of the room, if I walk outside, I got a pull up bar. I have to bang out some pull ups. And it's just an all-day thing. 
I, I have to go down to physical therapy at the beginning of every year, and they kind of put me back in shape. So I, uh, I get my baseline, and then after that, it's all maintenance because I'm not trying to make those crazy gains or, or you know, like you said, CrossFit gains. But you can keep – there's a difference between maintenance PT and gains, right? If you, as long as you're eating healthy and you're not jamming stuff in your mouth, everything could be a workout. Like when you bend down in the cupboard, bend all the way down. It's just – it's literally something <laughs> yeah. like that. Make a anytime you do any kind of movement, do it in a workout movement. Of course, you want to probably make sure no one's looking because they'll be like, "What the hell is that dude doing?" But <laughs> yeah, it's it's as simple as that. I mean, some of the girls that, that are working down the shop, I have those bands around there. So anytime, like every hour on bottom of the hour, they just have to do a couple of reps, and it's just a it's literally just pushing yourself outside of your normal comfort, your normal routine, just a little bit. And all it takes is a couple of weeks, right? To get, start feeling something. And when yep. it really sets in, when someone notices like, Hey man, you look like you've been working out. And as soon as you hear that, if people are wondering, all you really have to do is work out for that, for that time period until someone says something, they're like, Hey man, you look like you've been, and then it's like, Oh man, I gotta get back in there and do that. And then the better you feel, the better you feel. It's all your body is going to get used to your routine. It's just to, all you have to remember is just to take it out of that routine a little bit, stress it in every little situation or environment you're in, and it will perform or it won't. You know, it'll, if, you, if you're complacent, it'll be complacent. Well, and it's the way you feel too, right? I mean, I haven't met anybody. I mean, I, I've been doing this a long time, and we own gyms all over the world, and I am yet to meet someone who finishes their workout and regrets doing it ever. Like, ever. No one's ever going to regret putting in the work. Because they feel so good after, but it's it's like taking a really cold plunge. Like I, I don't, I'm sure you guys have done like the hot cold work a little bit, but you know there's, there's this popular thing right now of the cold shower, and no one likes getting into a cold shower. But when you're done with it, right, it feels good. Your body's fired up and you're ready to go for the day. And I think that's the motivation for the workout. Just start off once or twice a week, ten minute walks, see how you feel, and then from there you can ramp it up. But we don't need to, you know, the biggest problem that I see in the fitness space, everybody wants to scream from the hilltops and go seven days a week and eat paleo or keto or this and that it's like hey man look if you haven't been working out your whole life you don't need to go from zero to 100 just start off one day a week and just kind of start vibing exactly we need you to stay Mm -hmm. consistent like i'm looking at my fitness for a long trajectory like i don't want to be fit you know like i'm 33 right now i don't want to be fit until 34 i want to be fit until i'm as old as possible right so i need to keep something that's sustainable for me hey you're right that's a perfect way to say that if you most people look at workouts as like, oh, January 1st, my New Year's resolution, I'm going to get in shape. I'm start working out for spring <laughs> break so you're in shape for the yeah. summer and then the winter comes on as, as opposed to like making just a part of your day. Like that, that small routine. And I, the hardest for me were after my surgeries. I literally had to lay there for weeks, right, and just fall out of that. But then I would just start to walk to the door and then to the mailbox. And then once I could get to the gym, I'd literally do one push-up and walk out. And then the next day I go and do two. If I couldn't, I do another, just one again until, and this is when you talk about the whole, the cold and hot. If you can do this, if you can muster up the strength to do this, and it's, it's, it's harder in the wintertime. When you walk into the shower after you do your 10-minute walk or your workout, be standing underneath the spigot when you turn the shower on in the beginning so the cold water runs on top of you. And just start with that, and it will wake you up like you can't believe. And then the reward is the hot water once that rolls in, but... <laughs> Literally, if you can handle standing underneath that spigot right when you turn it on and get that cold dose, it's like a cup of coffee, man. It, it'll it'll wake you up. That's how I do it. It's brutal in the winter, though. Well, we had Wim oh, Hof bet, on yeah. here. <laughs> Wim Hof's yeah, a Wim big. Yeah, Wim Hof has a lot of yeah. Oh yeah, that a guy, man, he's something, of, boy. 
that cold exposure therapy and whatnot. The breathing and the cold exposure. Well, um, <clears throat> let's see. How about because you keep referencing it? You want to tell us about what? Um, it's not North Cal anymore. It's and, NC. Oh Fit. yeah, the gym. Yeah. yeah. You want to tell us about NC Fit, which is, I believe, your primary business, and um, obviously that'll that'll open a discussion to how you've transitioned this mindset into the business world. Yeah. So, you know, when I first got into CrossFit and I won the CrossFit Games, there wasn't, I, like I said, I didn't do it as a profession. I didn't do it for money. And so I opened up a gym. So when I graduated from college, I opened up a, a CrossFit gym. I knew I wanted to open up a gym. I just didn't know what type. And so when I was introduced to CrossFit, it really opened my eyes to having a coach and a community and results that people got. So I opened up a gym in 2008 and then we opened up another location. It originally was called NorCal CrossFit. We've since then shifted to NC Fit, which is basically NorCal Fit. And over the years, you know, we opened up commercial locations that are open to the public. And then we got you know introduced to corporate sites. So we have corporate locations that we run and manage sites inside companies globally. And then now we have a digital product for any gym owners who want to utilize our plans that we use. We have our own app. We have our own programs. We have our own team. We have a digital side of the business also. So basically our business... Um, you know, has commercial locations open to the public, corporate locations only open to those companies with a variety of companies, and then uh, uh, the digital footprint. And um, that's what we've built up over the last uh, 11 years. Yeah, you guys have quite a comprehensive presence. I mean, uh, searching around your site, looking a little bit into the, into the company, you guys have a lot going on. I'm sure the road to this point has been, there's been some struggles along the way. Do you think of any particular? <laughs> <laughs> that just goes no, without saying. All- yeah, it's just been it's all, been all rave, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you think of any um, any particular story come to mind illustrating one of these challenges you had to work yourself through as a businessman? I mean, I think the biggest challenge as a businessman that I had to learn was when to delegate and that, you know, I think what was really important for me is I used to think that I did everything the best. And what I needed to do is take the things that were stressing me out the most those were oftentimes the things that I wasn't very good at, but those are the things that were taking a lot of my time and mm. stressing me out a ton. For example, finances. I'm not a finance guy, and I should have delegated that out sooner mm. because what took me five hours a day took some really smart finance guy 30 minutes. Right. And so now I wasn't getting the biggest ROI, and I think what I've really grown as a, as a business owner, I always think about everything is, am I providing the largest return on investment for the company specifically with my time, right? Mm-hmm. What am I uniquely good at for our business? And how do I, you know, go after that and allow others delegate out to let them be uniquely good at whatever they're good at. And that's, what's going to keep us moving forward. Right. And, um, that's something I've had to learn the hard way is, is I used to try and do everything on my own and I was doing everything at 70% instead of just focusing in my attention towards business development, sales, trajectory, growth, et cetera and then delegating the rest out. That's been really instrumental for our business. Um, you know, the other thing that I think we've done a bad job about, which I would recommend all owners to think about is, you know, this concept of um, hire slow, fire fast. We've just done a really bad job of that. And that's something mm. that in retrospect, I, I think we're getting better about. But when someone doesn't align with your company culture, and if they're not on board with your core values and your mission and where you want to go, you need to remove them from the situation sooner and later because otherwise they become toxic to the entire team. 
And that's been a major takeaway as, as we've grown our business, where really those two is learning how to delegate and learning how to, you know, evaluate toxic individuals, and they need to be removed from the company sooner. How do you go about identifying the uh, – did you have something, Marcus? No, no, I'm agreeing so, with him. Yeah, it's just yeah. spot on. <laughs> how, how do you how – you, um, so how have you refined the process of determining these people that are not going to be productive members of your team? Well, the, 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 the challenge is what you said is productive members of your team is that it's not to say they're not productive members. And this is where it gets challenging is that they might be able to do their job well, maybe mm-hmm. even uniquely well. You know what I mean? They yeah. might be really, really good, but nobody wants to hang out with them. Nobody wants to interact with them. There always seems like you're spending more time trying to learn how to deal with each other than how to move the ball forward. Mm. And I think that's what I wish I had recognized earlier on is that. When you have someone that you spend more time trying to learn how to, again, interact, and you spend, you know, out of a two-hour meeting, you're speaking for 45 minutes on, hey, you know, this is the way I think we need to react to each other because I find that you're condescending to me sometimes or whatever, right? If you're spending so much time on that, then you're not spending time really focusing on what the bulk of, of your goal is, which is to progress the company and move forward. And, and I wish... I wish I had recognized that earlier. Just because you're a top performer, just because that person is uniquely good at something, doesn't mean they align with the overall ethos in the company. And that becomes challenging to move forward. I'm sure you guys have seen this in the teams, Absolutely. right? When you got a guy who's super talented, you know, their 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 marksmanship, their da 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 da. But when they when when no one wants to work with them or no one can trust them, that becomes a big challenge. It's a massive challenge, right, Marcus? Oh, it's, yeah, it's an, it'll. Well, it'll tear everything down. Mm-hmm. It's like a yeah. cancer on the inside, right? It just kind of metastasizes through, through the ranks because eventually they they argue so much with one another, then they're going to want to get buddies, right? They're going to be like, "Hey, man, I, you know." Then they'll start doing that, and then it just kind of infests everything. That, that's why, I man, the way I run my shop is kind of like yours too. If, if it makes it to me, like if all this, all the gossip, and everything, like if it finally makes it to my door, I'll get rid of it. I'm sorry, man. I put that rule out in the beginning. So it's uh, it's it's something, but it also I mean, there's there's difference between competition and and all that, and then just regular just man, you just you just not even trying. So, hmm. how do you um have you had? I'm sure you've had to. It's been a learning process because you're a busy guy, balancing your home, your personal versus professional life, and all the projects you have going on. How have you learned to do that and do it effectively and be good at both, both aspects? Yeah, I mean, it's something I, re- you know, look, I, we have a couple of podcasts, right? One is the business mm-hmm. of fitness. One's called Amrap Mentality, which they're, you know, we have, I wrote a book. Um, we have the business and, you know, I, I think this concept of being busy is unique. I think it just depends on where you spend your time and your energy and what you, you know, place value on. And for me, I place a lot of value on being a good husband and father because I'm not going to get back that time. And so I think what's really important for me is just asking myself on a regular basis, hey, how am I doing? You know, and this is what I do. And this is not for everybody. I just mm-hmm. check myself. I just check myself. Hey, have you been traveling too much, too much business? Are you, are you, you know, when's the last time you and your wife went on a date night, mm-hmm. right? And I just, I just ask myself these things. So I want to make sure that one day I don't have this major epiphany and mm-hmm. What I don't want to do is wake up when I'm 50 and be like, dude, I was a terrible father. I figure if I could check in on a regular basis Hmm. and if I'm always saying, hey, look, I'm doing the best I can to do the best I can to provide for my family but also do this, 
then I figure, you know what, there's never going to be any regrets in that sense. Across the primary concepts in your book, in the MRAP mentality, as you say, the number one here, know your why. Then number two, focus on what you can control and work hard, shift gears, and then reevaluate. I think we've really touched on all three of those first three. Can you explain shift gears? And I think you actually just referenced uh, reevaluate, but shift gears here seems to be one that we haven't covered so far. Yeah, I mean, I mean, shifting gears is as simple as what we're doing right now, right? So before I got on the phone with you guys, I was working out. That's my gear. When when I'm in that gear, I'm in that gear. When I was done with that gear, right, I no longer think about that gear. My workout's over, right? So so I can't dread on the fact that I didn't do as well as I wanted. Well, I should have done something better about that when I was in that gear, right? And hmm. and you know, it's now I'm with you guys. Like you don't see me. I don't know, checking my phone or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm uniquely focused on what you and I are speaking on. So when we're done with this conversation, I don't have to regret. I don't have to ask myself, Hey, did I do the best I could to answer his question Mm. or whatever? Right now I'm uniquely focused on this gear after I'm here with you guys. Now I'm going to go shift to my next gear, which is going off to a business meeting. Right. And then it'll be, you know, et cetera to family time. And so the way I look at it is the Amrit mentality can be summarized like a bike. When you ride a bike, you got to be focused and present. If you're not, you're going to tip over. When you ride a bike, you got to pedal that thing. When I'm here with you guys, I got to work hard. We have to we have to be present, focused, work hard, and then throughout the day, just like riding a bike, we switch gears. You know, like depending on the terrain, mm-hmm. and we're just we're rocking and rolling, right? We're going to family time, business time, workout time, and and, and that's the way I look at switching gears. Is literally, I mean, you don't have to say it to yourself, but like literally, you know, after you get done with your workout. Boom, that snap happens, workout complete, move on. Next thing, done, move on. But what I'm not trying to do anymore, and I did it for way too long, is be one foot in and one foot out. And it's all about, exactly, whatever's in front of you is the most important thing, nothing else exists. I guess a lot of people... As you, especially it happens when you get older, you, it's called, they, what is it called? Multitasking. It's like, oh, I can do a lot of things. Yeah. Good. I'm like, well, why don't you do one thing really well, right? Never try to master anything, but get as good at as many things as humanly possible. And whatever presents itself or whatever's sitting right in front of you has your complete and utter attention. And that's how you enjoy the moment. And that's those people who can regurgitate what just happened is because they were focused on everything, not just the person, but what was in the room, what they were saying, what they were wearing, how they spoke to you. And it, you know, it makes for, well, that's how those bonds are formed, right? People know that, man, you're here for me to pay attention to me at this given time. And just undivided attention, basically, is I think what what the parents used to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's super valuable. But honestly, that's not an easy thing to accomplish this day and age. A lot of people struggle with this. I mean, it's one thing for us to say, yeah, you know, we're just going to focus on this one thing until we're done with it, and then we'll move on to something else. Oh, it takes practice. It's well, I think that simple. it takes practice. And it, it takes a practice and it takes awareness. And am I perfect at it? No, like I'm not perfect, but I'm aware of it. Right. And I think that's the biggest difference is that when I, you know, um, uh, you know, if I'm answering emails, you could start a clock and say, hey, for 30 minutes and be undivided attention on emails. Right. Mm-hmm. But what happens is you have this desire to go check Instagram, but it's it's critical for me to put that away for 30 minutes. And I got to just ask myself, like, hey. What's going to happen in 30 minutes on Instagram that I, I can't focus on emails, but if I keep going back and forth, it takes my brain a little bit of time to redirect back onto what I'm doing. And so mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that people are like super busy right now. I just think that they're, I know a lot of really busy people that never accomplish 
what they're looking to accomplish because <laughs> they get about 80% of the way there and then they get distracted off of it. And so I think for me, it's just constantly asking myself, like, look, there's no secret sauce here. You got to work hard. You got to be present. You got to be focused. And you got to know what you want to focus on and why. There's no secret there. But if I could just have people just remind themselves and maybe hear for the first time this concept of AMRAP mentality, maybe that's a game changer for them. And um, so far, the feedback from the book has been that it has really helped people. And so I just hope that just by reminding them that could be the, that could be the key. And you kind of look at it, are they super busy, man? Or are you just super bored? Because you, I mean, right. you're trying to pack so many things into one deal. It's just, uh, I, I think because social media and, and our visual entertainment, everyone's expecting a, the grand slam or the home run every, every time somebody comes to bat. But what it is, man, it's those little moments throughout life that lead up to the big one. That's why, that's how, if you pay attention to every one of those, the, 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 the big moment is, is, even more precious, right? It's it, it, the taste is just because you've enjoyed the entire series. It's the difference between watching your team play the whole season into the championships or just watching the championship game. I mean, that's why those diehard fans just freak out when they when when they win, especially if they've been following mm-hmm. them for years, as opposed to being in the moment. And that ought to let you know how special that the moment is. If everybody, even people who don't entertain it normally are, are excited about it, like a huge boxing match or, or something that when people don't even watch boxing, but they're going to be there because they know something magnificent is about to happen or you know, one, of those, one of those big events. And that's what draws everybody towards it. And those people who can exist in it are the ones that, man, they can itemize it. They focus on whatever's going on right then and there, learn as much as you can from it, and then enjoy the next one. I mean, life's little yep. moments. Enjoy every single one of them. Well, I think a buzzword that kind of sums up that idea that we hear a lot now is mindfulness and just uh, being aware of what you're doing, what you're thinking about, being in the present. It's just something that's in constant um, – it's, it's trying to be eaten alive by this nonstop uh, – circus of sensory input that we have in the modern world yeah (laughs) but um, i'm not saying look i mean i mean i'm pretty active on instagram right and i love it i think it's a great tool to interact with people i think it's phenomenal it just you know i have to constantly remind myself like hey am i scrolling instagram while i'm supposed to be playing you know riding bikes with my son right i gotta stop it you know like get off that be focused on this and you, when you get into something new, you're not ready for it. But all, even if everything's there, if if they tell you everything and show you everything, you still have to be able to get in there and, and maneuver through it. And it's chaos in the beginning. Sure, it's supposed to be. That's that's kind of what makes it entertaining and fun. It's the unknown. And then you see people who are so proficient in it, and they just move in and out of it. Man, that's their battle rhythm. Is a lot of people look at our lives. We're on the road 300 days a year, city to city, state to state. Like man, it must be exhausting. Well, it's, man, I got my rhythm down. I know how to do it. Right? Yeah. I, mean, I got. I, mm. And if you focus too much, and you'll know on one thing, something else will suffer. And if you got too much on your plate, then multiple things. Was, and it's just time to back up. And it's just, hey, let's, let's let's back up a little bit and slow down. And we're we're not paying attention to something. That's all it is. What we like to do is uh, when we start winding up winding up the interview, we like to ask our guest for a couple pieces of advice, maybe phrases uh concepts that have stuck with them and served them well in their life things that come to mind it can be related to anything we've talked about or nothing at all or recap some a point a point or two in your book we'll talk about the book here in a second but if you could encapsulate just a couple particularly poignant um pieces of advice or concepts that have served you well in life and just put them out there we'd appreciate it 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've touched base on it, but this idea of earned confidence, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, I could tell myself all I want that I can go knock out Floyd Mayweather or that I could outshoot one of you guys, right? But I haven't put the time in to earn that confidence. And you could slap yourself in the face all you want, but you got to really back it up with a lot of work ethic. And I think that's something I take into everything I'm doing, whether it's a business meeting, whatever. How do I earn the confidence that when I go in there and I present this material, I know I'm going to be successful because of all the work I put in. Mm-hmm. So that's something I think about a lot. Um, other things I think about a lot is this concept of you know moving fast but breathing slow. And I'm sure you guys have utilized this through your sure. training. This idea of you know like move with purpose, move move fast, right? You don't want to just be a slow, you know, but kind of keep your breath under control, keep your heart rate controlled, and that's something that I've tried to implement through competing. And, and for example, when I'm giving presentations, I give, you know, some speeches mm-hmm. is, you know, move with purpose, move well, but just stay slow, keep your breath under control. And um, I think that's really carried over well as a mantra for me before a big CrossFit event would just be, hey, move fast, get after it, win, but breathe slow. And um, that's just something else that I think about on a regular basis. And obviously embracing this AMRAP lifestyle is, is, is the key cornerstone to the way I live my life right now. Yeah, well, you want to talk about the AMRAP lifestyle in your book here that we have a copy of. It's in my hands, as many reps as possible. Seeking, uh, Succeeding in competition, business, and life by making the most of every single minute. You want to tell us a little bit more about the motivation to write this and why people should go out and take a look? Well, I mean, originally I wanted to write it as like an anti-hack book because I would travel just like you guys all mm-hmm. the time. And I'd go to the library or the airport bookstore I'd be looking for some type of like inspiration, a little something to fire me up on my trip. And I'd read yeah. and I'd get like, you know, 30 pages in. I'd just be like, eh, two things I would found. Either A, the book was written too fluffy, right? Too theoretical, right? Just, just kind of writing to write. Or the mm-hmm. other thing I found was that people were saying things that I didn't see align with what I saw through my business and through my experiences, which was work less and get paid more, Right. And I think there's something alluring these days about these hacks. And I get it. I, I, I totally get it why it would be alluring, right? But for me, I wanted to work. I wanted to write like the anti-hack book originally, right? Like just roll up your sleeves and get to work. There's mm-hmm. no substitute. But then after my daughter got sick, the motivation was really to write a book about, you know, how every day is an opportunity to kind of build this hedge. And if we could incorporate this mindset of putting in the work on each area if something in life does throw you a curveball, you're better positioned to handle it. And that's kind of the inspiration for why I put it out to the world and, you know, why, why I'm so excited about it. I think the world definitely, what, what do you got, bud? Oh yeah. No, I mean, put the work in and ours, we, uh, we, we switched up the word slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Move with a purpose. Yeah. That's kind of the only easy day was yesterday and embrace the suck. I mean, you kind of like embrace your life. It doesn't matter what you do, right? That phrase, the, the, just the verbiage is different, just a little bit, man. But it all means the same to us when you hear it, and you understand it. And um, it's, it's man. Over the years, we've been doing this. That that common flow of, it, of when people break down their life, and it's just it's just a few little things that keep them moving, man, with a purpose. It's, uh, it's there for a reason. I already say sometimes, like you don't have to say this out like like trans, um, you know, switch gears. I do. I say it out loud. Time to switch. You know what I mean? Say it out loud so you know what's happening, man. Time to transition. Let's go. And something new just popped in front of us. And you got the kids up, wife failing in the morning, get them off. Then you got your work or whatever you like to do. As soon as them kids show back up, man, so does dad. And you just kind of like switching the the hat, switching the gear. Yeah. 
That's awesome, brother. Thank you, man. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. No, I, you guys are you know perfect people to talk to about this mindset because you guys get it. You guys have done so much in a, in a different area, right? That it's just, mm-hmm. but the the mindset shifts. The mindset correlates to all these different things that we're doing. So hopefully, you know, people if they decide to pick up the book, they can get on Amazon. They can also get it at jasonkleepa.com. Would really appreciate the support. We donated um, all pre-sales to um, pediatric cancer system. We, really? we really support and we, we donate, you know, basically a large amount of the money to um, pediatric cancer, mainly because, you know, I saw a lot of families go through a lot of stuff and I just realized, hmm. um, you know, similar to the Navy SEAL Foundation, other organizations, when, when you become passionate about something that's close to your heart, it's easy to get behind it. And um, yes, yeah, so that's what we did. So, so we support an organization called NIGU, which is the never, ever give up organization. And so all the money that we raise goes directly into that organization. It's nigu.org. Well, bless you for doing that, man. That's that's awesome. Yeah, for Thanks sure. Thanks for doing everything and being an inspiration to, to thousands of people out there. I know our listeners are going to love this, man. They always do when we bring you ultras on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what I've seen by looking through the book here and what we've talked about is there's a lot of crossover in those fundamental principles, which, you know, we live in a technology age and everybody gets caught up in the new flashy thing or distilling it into these, you know, these life hacks and the, the way to get from A to B as quickly as possible and free and easy without any kind of, with, with, with minimal effort. And, but the fact of the matter is the stuff that's been around for a long time, it's been there for a reason. It's because sure. it's effective and it's a foundation. And there's a lot of crossover between the stuff we talk about here, what you got with your, uh, AMRAP, you know, mentality, um, Everything that the technology is built off of today is off of what he just said. All the pe- everything that went into building all of the high speed tech we got came from from people, from humans putting their hands on it, you know, going through putting the work in, slow as smooth, smooth as fast, and embracing your life. And because everybody out there has done that, we have these laptops, computers, phones. I mean, it's truly an amazing time we live in. Yeah. As society marches forward, it's not just throwing out all the old stuff. It's getting rid of the shit that doesn't work keeping what does work right. and finding the, the new improvements to fill those slots and repeat, 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 repeat in the future. So Jason, yeah. thank you very much for sitting down with us. You pretty much already, you started to touch on it. Can you tell us what you got coming up next and exactly where people can go out and keep up with what you're doing, your website, social media, any of this stuff? Yeah, no, like I said, guys, it's an honor to be on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, you know, more information about me, you can visit jasonkalipa.com, K-H-A-L-I-P-A, and um, mainly Instagram, Jason at Jason Kalipa. Those are really good channels. Um, if you guys want to, you know, if you're in the business of fitness, definitely check out our podcast on that, but it's very, very niche. And if you want more, you know, kind of mindset, just kind of things, you know, uh, talking to different people and uh, would be the AMRAP Mentality Podcast, which... I would love to uh, talk to you guys at some point on that if you guys are interested. Sure. Um, it'd, be a, it'd be to huge to have you guys on. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Well, thank, thank you for, you for the invite. invite. We, we, we will take you up on that. Um, yeah, no, that'd be awesome. It's been a, yeah, go ahead, man. I'm no, like, no. Hey, go, brother, man, thank you. That's, <laughs> that's what we got, man. I, you know, we go all day with you, but uh, we know you got things to do and other people to help. So thank you again for coming out here and being a part of this, brother. Yeah, thank you. And, I mean, Obviously, it goes out saying I've been following your journey for a long time. So just to be able to talk to you guys been, has been great. So thank you again, and um, hope everybody uh, enjoys the, the episode. Oh, they absolutely will, and they're yeah. going to take a lot away from it. <laughs> thank you, buddy. I hope this is just the beginning, and we'll be talking to you again in the future. 
All right. All right. Take care. Great dude. Yeah, I really, uh, I really enjoyed that. Didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. It's one thing when you got somebody who knows how to do something and, and tries to teach it back out, but there's an art to 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 the delivery, and he's good at it, man. He's, he he is. motivates himself and motivates the others around him, and that that was uh, man. I'm glad he stopped by. Well, he's got his, you know, he's got his uh, podcast, so he's practiced as a as a speaker, yeah. keeping the conversation flowing. His uh, AMRAP mentality podcast. Being the speaker, or the, the question as opposed to answering them, it can get different. <laughs> when you're sitting I there. wouldn't know. I haven't been interviewed, <laughs> yeah. but Not you yet. have many a time, <laughs> right? So you know something about that. Yeah. What did you uh, take away from that in particular? Man, his his pearls of wisdom uh, that he laid out at the end of that, the, the put the work in, move fast, breathe slow, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, the same as, so, you mm-hmm. know, embrace your life, embrace the suck. Put in the work, put the work in, and the same thing. Those that that it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter what we do. Primary, especially in our generation, man, the extreme on either side. We're the extreme on the soldier side. He's extreme in the in that fitness side with the spark in business. Yeah, in business. Well, it doesn't matter, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just whatever they they're good at, they're going to be good at. Whatever they go into and put their mind to. Once you figure out, just like he said, you just prioritize the moment. And once you can do that, because a lot of people can't. They think it's it's a it's multitasking, right? But in reality, you're not focused on directly what's in front of you. And those people who can do that, man, those are the champions of business. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, that whole idea of multitasking, and I think that's pretty thoroughly disproven as being a more effective way. And he touched on it in there that it's the, uh, you know, there's a there's a there's a load time, there's a spool up time that you need between shifting yep. between different tasks, and if uh, it ends up being less efficient and. Uh, the mindfulness aspect of also, I think, paying attention to what you're doing in the moment and checking yourself. You know, he, he, that came up several times where you see it was evident that he is paying, he's, he's mindful of what he is doing throughout his day and introspective enough to say, you know what, I need to, I need to change this. I need to update this. I need to fix this. Oh, yeah, man. That's that stay that humble behavior. part of it. If, you don't, if you're not checking yourself, if you get to a place like he is where everyone around him, I mean, if he's the, the best at it, everyone's telling him that he's the best, and no one's telling you that there's a problem, and you're not telling yourself that you're not focusing on yourself, then that's how, you know, you can slip, miss something. I mean, always, you start, it started that way, and it, it should stay that way, always. Just like Sung Su, man. Know yourself, know your enemy, and a thousand battles, you'll never know defeat. Absolutely critical. And the one last thing I want to put out there again, because it was my practical takeaway from this thing, which really did kind of blow my mind that I've never considered this before, is when you go in, don't consider how hard you're going to be working out that day necessarily. Just go in there, warm up, and then ask your body what you're doing, because it's going to prevent talking oh, yeah. yourself out of, oh, my God. Oh, this, sure. I've got this ki- this crushing workout today. And starting to think of all the reasons why you don't want to do it, and then getting into this mental battle just to take yourself to start working out, he bypasses all that with that simple technique of just take yourself there. Oh man, yeah, that's, warm up. I had to learn how to do that because what what your body is going to be able to do today. 
Because yeah, of leg day. That's how I figured that's that one out. That. Like, you're just getting to the gym, man. And if you just don't have it, especially on when you're going to have to lift heavy, just lift something that you like. Or, no, that's the day you do like forearms and outer calves, right? <laughs> you know, just work on something that it's not. Forearms and outer calves. It's, it's not too hard, but it's enough to get, you know, it's, it's part of something you're supposed to work out. <laughs> And that way you can, I mean, then you have the success of going to the gym. And if anybody asks you what you did, he's like, man, I just did forearms and outer calves today, but I'll, I'll do squats tomorrow. <laughs> well, there's a lot of wisdom in that, too. And that, it, without getting in a much larger discussion, paying attention to what your body is telling you and actual taking time for your body to rest and heal are critical elements of an effective workout routine. But anyways, we don't have time to get into that. Let's do some housekeeping and a listener story. What do you say? You got it, brother. For people to listen, obviously you are already listening. So this is more on alternate ways you can do it or to tell someone else that they can go to our website, tnqpodcast.com and stream directly any of our shows that we've done previously, as well as the current one. And um, outside of that, any podcast app, whether iPhone or Android, such as iTunes, Stitcher, Podacy, CastBox, Radio Republic. And if you want to find us on social media, it's Team Never Quit. Find and follow on all major social media outlets. Instagram, it's TNQ Podcast. You can find me at Marcus Luttrell, and you can find the wizard at the underscore wizard underscore TNQ. All right, and let's just mention again, TNQPodcast.com. You're going to listen directly to all of the great guests we've had before, from David Goggins to Sir Robert Young Pelton, Captain Charlie Plum, Laird Hamilton, Dakota Meyer, it's just chock-a-block uh, full of people from every walk of life. It is. It's been something, man. We've been so fortunate to have this. Thank you all for that. How the hell have we pulled that off? <laughs> I think about it every day. It's amazing. And they say luck doesn't, <laughs> doesn't determine your <laughs> it fortune. It does a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, merchandise. We've got, uh, we've got great shirts uh, and, and hats over there. Everything that you need to look cool or show how cool you are. We guarantee it. So one of our sponsors, Omaha Steaks, and I personally use them. They show up in a nice wrapped-up package ready to go. I mean, if you're not ready to use them, you throw them in the freezer. If you are, they're ready for you to just pull them on out. The steak in itself without the seasoning is good, and with it, it's even better. So looking for an easy, affordable way to stock up for summer grilling as well as a great gift, think Omaha Steaks. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving a limited-time Father's Day gift offer to our listeners. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter code NEVER in the search bar for 74% off the Father's Day Steak Fix gift package. A $235 value, now for only $59.99. Order now and you'll get two tender filet mignons, two bold top sirloins, two savory pork chops, four Omaha steak burgers, four massive gourmet jumbo franks, four crispy chicken fried steaks, all beef meatballs, four premium chicken breasts, four caramel apple tartlets for dessert, a pack of Omaha Steak Signature Seasoning, and you'll get four extra Omaha Steak Burgers for free. Give this amazing package as a gift for Dad or stock up for incredible summer grilling, all at 74% off. Omaha Steaks delivers 100% guaranteed world-class steaks, burgers, franks, and more. Order with confidence from America's original butcher. Again, order now and you can get this exclusive Omaha Steaks Father's Day Steak Fix package, valued at $235 for just $59.99. Just go to omahasteaks.com and type code NEVER in the search bar. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. Go to omahasteaks.com, type NEVER in the search bar to get the Father's Day Steak Fix package today. Chad? And um, the listener write-in stories. Absolutely. Probably the most important element of what we have there. Agreed. A demonstration of, uh, it's an outlet. It's an outlet of for our, uh, the community of Team Never Quit to 
be able to uh, to come together and share with other people. So well, you learn about your teammates. That's where you learn out you about them right there. Yeah, average everyday. I don't want to say average, everyday type of people. You know that um, have gone through stories of perseverance, challenges. It doesn't even have to be necessarily their story. Maybe it's your friend, your brother, your mother, your cousin, your doctor, your veterinarian, something like that. You can go there, submit your submit these stories, and read those from others. So it's under the menu tab on our website. Share your story. Marcus? And speaking of those stories, we have one right now, and this is from John. Good morning, gentlemen. I first want to say I appreciate each of y'all's service to our great country. Thank you. Thank you is not enough. My story is not at all unusual. I come from a broken home. I had my parents' broken and failed marriage to thank for altering my childhood in many ways. That affected me up to this day. My mom remarried almost immediately. This is where the never quit story begins for me. My stepfather was a sadistic prick. I would be awakened at night by him pulling me out of bed by my hair and beating me for something that he thought I did that day, but I didn't get caught. I received belt strap beatings for eating too much cereal, backhand slaps across the face for speaking when not spoken to. I was physically abused by this douche canoe until I was big enough to fight back. Literally, he wanted to toughen me up, so he gave me boxing gloves and taught me the jab. These lessons ended up abruptly. These lessons ended abruptly when after being punched repeatedly, I jabbed back, followed by a right cross. Unfortunately, <laughs> then the mental abuse kicked into high gear. I was told that there was a bullet with my name on it, and there was also one with my mother's name on it. I struggled with depression. I have had some pretty dark days. I have always gotten through these times with a combination of sheer will to survive and a sense of fuck it. Let's roll humor. Played a huge part, too. That and knowing that if I quit or gave up, I would lose and he would win. I would not even have given him the satisfaction. I told myself that I wasn't going to quit fighting. He'd have to kill me first, so I coped. I figured out ways to fight back without fighting back. Through covert and non-covert practical jokes, sometimes I caught a beating for this, but it was worth it. A rubber band on the sink water attachment is comedy gold. It absolutely is. No, no, no. On the the Washington. (laughs) Priceless. Love that one. But I read that. While I did not serve in the military, I am a deputy sheriff assigned to, to my county jail. I have been for nearly 22 years. I have done courthouse security details, assignments in our transportation division to include several high-profile out-of-state transports. Also, the monotonous just plain old line staff duties. Tampons and toilet paper, as we say. Mind-dumbing, but it pays the bills. While on the job, I have also seen many disturbing things, one of which is the aftermath, one of which is the aftermath of a suicide. Cutting down hangers and doing CPR on a dead guy is never pleasant. So in LE, we have to develop a pretty dark sense of humor. I suspect I always had this, though. This sense of humor can also be caustic and cynical, easy to become complacent or retired on duty. My field of work endures a rate of suicide that is steadily growing. This is both sad and disappointing. The stigma of needing help is sometimes more powerful than the desire to get it. It's counterproductive. We are tough guys who are hurting, but I cannot admit it because we are tough guys who are hurting. <laughs> Amen to that, right? Mm-hmm. I can assure you that having a never-quit attitude is vital to survival and longevity. 
discovering this podcast has opened a new window for me. A new avenue for fighting the temptation of fatalistic thought, coupled with this, my aversion for quitting, is life-changing. I tell everyone that I can think of or folks that I may be struggling with to give you guys a listen. Y'all are motivating, and y'all have the ability to change the course of a life for millions. I figured if I can pass you guys on to someone who's struggling, it just may change the course of their life, too. That's a win-win in my book. Again, thank you for your service to this country. All you guys do in this podcast, it may sound silly, but y'all are changing lives. Well, John, thank you for that, brother, and thank you for your sense of humor. And I thoroughly mm-hmm. agree with you that, that those of us who have to live in those lifestyles and those situations, it's the humor that gets us through it. I mean, people ask me, like, hey, why, why does this guy make it through yeah. get buzz and that one doesn't? I'm like, man, I think it has to be a sense of humor. you got to be able to roll with the chaos, and you're a perfect example of that, can't brother. can't let it overwhelm you. Yeah. Growing up with tough dads that uh, have the strap. My dad had one, too. It was a, an old saddle girt. He'd cut off one of my mom's saddles, man. He would wear us out with that thing. But, man, diamonds are forged in pressure and gold is forged in fire. And You, you kind of got to look at it like that was our test to go through that gauntlet in the beginning so that we could reap the rewards uh, at the end, right? It's just kind of a give and take. I love the opposite. So, you you kind of understand that better than most and some people don't mm. so thank you for writing in and sharing that yep. i mean it's there, there's no problem with asking for help or asking questions especially if you don't if you're not sure what's what's going on and especially if you don't know what's going on in the situation you're in it's always incumbent mm. of us to ask uh, those of us around us for help so thank you for again for writing in john man and jason great story brother man you motivate us more than you even know uh Keep charging forward. Uh, keep that blue flame burning, man. You, you're uh, you're going to do great things. Everybody keeps bringing us back, man. We can't thank y'all enough. Seriously, Wizard Eye, man, we talk about it. You guys are something. So thank y'all for that. I'd like to thank God and Christ for everything that they've given us. And um, my family, you guys are wonderful. I'm out. Out. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.